welcome to Spine and Body Podcast. This podcast's stated goals are to change how the world treats musculoskeletal pain, to create experts in the treatment of neck, back, and shoulder pain, and to advance the world's understanding of this pain, to inspire researchers, thinkers, and innovators, to empower patients and embolden caretakers. Follow us on this journey and let's learn and grow together. This podcast is brought to you by the Body Guitar Clinic because your body is a finely tuned instrument. Like all finely tuned instruments, it must be properly cared for in order to play the beautiful music it was intended to play. Care for your body and use it correctly, and it will play music that is unique to you, your life song. This is Sean Wheeler, MD, and let's get your body in tune. Okay, this is our first episode, kind of. I I did an interview last year with Justin Rickliffs from Guild Stories Podcast. He does a podcast where he interviews influential people in Kansas City and really does a great job. After the interview, I asked him if I could use the interview as my first episode on my podcast, and he graciously agreed. It has been a year, and a lot has happened in that year, but I think it is still a great intro into what I am about and trying to accomplish. This episode is a little long, but it's fun, and only a little tangential. Enjoy. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Guild Stories, the podcast where every person has a story, and it's the stories that connect us all. I'm Justin Rickliffs, founder and CEO of Guild Content, husband of Brooke, and father of five young people. And I'm joined today by my lovely co-host, who happens to be my wife as well. Hey, guys, I'm Brooke, owner of Reclaim the Home, Justin's wife and mother of five. We're so grateful you're here. This podcast is a place where we'll explore the stories of hustlers, dreamers, and doers who are going for it by pursuing meaningful work and living life with purpose. Welcome to Guild Stories. Well, we're into June, hard to believe, um, and it's super fun to have an actual doctor. I know last week we had a guy called Dr. Long, but that's his uh, his go-to because he's he's a, he, he's a pretend healthcare professional at the University of Kansas Health System. We have an actual MD in our presence today, which is um, a first and an exciting uh, conversation that, that has lots of personal implications, and also um, I'm just interested to hear his story, as I know you guys are too. So we have Dr. Sean Wheeler, MD from Body Guitar Clinic, which is bodyguitar.com. And he's also practicing at some other clinics in the Kansas City area. And we'll hear all about that. Um, But super interested to hear how Dr. Wheeler has disrupting an industry that is, uh, from what I understand, uh, in need of disruption. So Dr. Wheeler, we're, we're super proud and privileged to have you on the show today, man. Yeah, this is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's fun to have you. Um, I'll, I'll start if you're okay with it, it, it. And I don't know if I'm maybe violating patient HIPAA requirements or not. And if I am, you can tell me to shut up. Um, we've gotten... Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, done. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> given today's landscape with uh, COVID and everything else, I'm like super sensitive. So um, we got connected through my wife who has had some um, spinal injections because she's battled with scoliosis and some different kind of neck trauma um, and different things along the way. So first, as a as a husband of one of your patients, thank you for relieving my wife's pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I we were laughing because you guys have five kids and and I said, you know, she's um, a pretty little lady. And then I said, you know, she's pretty and little. Yeah. And it's surprising, you know, you've had oof, five kids 
That's a, that's great. Yeah. Well, you've one upped us from what we understand. Yeah. I mean, you have six, is that correct? <laughs> that's right. Six kids. <laughs> yeah. So, so give us just kind of high level 30,000 foot, um, intro who, who you are, what your kind of focus areas are from a, a practice perspective. And then sure. if you, if you'd be open to it, yeah. Kind of tell us about your personal family and sure. all that fun sure, stuff. Sure. So, you know, I'm a sports medicine pain physician, right? I started in practice in a small town in Kansas. I did uh, general surgery mm. and family practice for seven years. Okay. And in those seven what years. What small town in Kansas? Belleville, Kansas. Belleville, Kansas. Belleville, Kansas. And, and great little town. Love. It, it's, yeah. got a, it's got a, a square just like Liberty does. Yeah. I walked around your square here in Liberty and loved it. I mean, this is, this is awesome. It's Americana. At it's, its, so, finest, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's so great. So small little town, you know, I did, um, C-sections, carpal tunnels, bowel section. I did everything for the county around, uh, basically the entire area. Um, my, um, you know, lots of pheasant hunting, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of, you know, I helped out with the football team. I played football in college. So I was, uh, the offensive coordinator for the high school football nice. team, right? You know, some fun stuff. And then, um, my father had a heart attack and I just had it in my head. We were going to get back to, back to Kansas city. You know, I'm, uh, wanted my kids to know their grandfather and and uh, really felt like I needed to get back there. And so I went uh, to Fort Worth, Texas and did a, a sports medicine fellowship. Wow. And while I'm doing the sports medicine fellowship, we're taking care of uh, Texas Christian University and and uh, one of the local hockey teams and, and things like that. Had a had a brief thing with the with the Texas Rangers and and then they came to me in the spring, you know, so the first semester you take care of all these athletic teams and the second semester you do research and I was in deep into this research that I really wanted to do. And they came to me and they said, we're opening a, a pain fellowship at Southwestern and we really want you, you know, you to be mm. one of our first people. And I was like, why the heck would anybody want to do pain management? I mean, what, you know, you're dealing with people in pain all the time. That's not necessarily what I want to do. But I started looking into it. And what I found was, is that a lot of the people weren't necessarily doing an exam. Mm. They were just following this algorithm that, kind of went along with, with, with um, you know, what everybody had been taught. And, and, and I started figuring out that, that my skills actually fit really well with that. So I went ahead and did the fellowship. And when I finished, I was one of the only MDs in the country that was fellowship trained in, in both sports medicine and, and pain management. And, uh, and I actually had, at that point, I had four board certifications, which was um, somewhat interesting. You know, I mean, four board certifications, because now I got to take four boards to keep up with, which was um, uh, you know, I'm a dummy and a marketing guy. That sure. sounds terrible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that yeah, sounds really hard. Right. Well, you know, and, and a lot of times what happens is you have your own practice. So you, you, you refine your practice down into one little thing. Well, when you take a board, um, you know, they're, they're an all day test and it's an all day test over everything you could possibly do. So every 10 years I have to take four tests. Oh, right. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's an interesting year because I spend a lot of time, you know, going over tests and, and trying to review again, but every, I only have to do it once every 10 yeah. years. So, yeah. so that's good. Uh, so then, you know, I, I came back to Kansas city and, uh, started in with uh, college park. Right. And I was at college park for 15 years. Mm. I kind of developed my own little niche. I would say mm. by about 2008, I had patients coming from all over, you know, I had a steady stream of people from Southern California wow. and from Florida and uh, the Chicago area 
And then there was this kind of mesh of different places in, in Arizona that people were flying in. And then for what, for what specific, I mean, for back, for pain? low back pain, low neck, back pain. neck okay. and shoulder okay. pain. Right. Well, okay. so just to back up just to, just a little bit is, you know, neck and shoulder pain normally, like for example, with your, with your wife, people either have shoulder pain or neck pain. Mm-hmm. If they have shoulder pain, they go see the orthopedic surgeon. Right. If they have neck pain, they see, you know, pain doctor, neurologist, neurosurgeon, one of those three. But the problem is, is that most people with neck pain have shoulder pain. Most people with shoulder pain have neck pain. It's related. Sure. Right. But nobody takes care of both. Mm. So as sports medicine pain, we take care of both. And then with back pain, what was happening is that people weren't doing a great exam, which we can, we can talk about. But so, so one of the things that happened was, is that there's this listserv, which is a forum of physicians around the country and people would turn in, um, people would turn in questions okay. and I just started answering questions, you know, kind of lunchtime, I'd sit down and type out an answer and I started getting more and more questions. And then, um, university of Notre Dame or is it Notre Dame university? I don't know. I don't know. University. Go, of Notre, I'll say university Irish. of Notre yeah. Dame, right? <laughs> uh, they uh, called me up and they said, you know, we've got this patient. They sent me all their, all the stuff. And they said, uh, can you come see them or can you, can we send them to you? And I said, well, you could send them to me. I go, but, uh, you know, I've never been to Notre Dame and I've never really kind of seen the whole facilities. I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll come to Indiana. I don't have an Indiana license, but I'll give a lecture to your sports medicine staff and, and you can give me a tour of the football facilities, Sweet. Yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Which was really fun. Cause my two, my two and boys. An intro to Rudy, me. if you could swing that. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> so they, uh, so I went up there gave us, gave a lecture to the sports medicine staff. And, and in the meantime, right about that same time, 2008 happened and the economy crashed and people stopped coming. Right. Mm. So, um, I, I, there was also this incident where I went to one of these conferences in Salt Lake city and, and everybody had to ride the tram back and forth. And I, I'm on the tram and it's chuck full of residents and fellows from around the country and everybody's wearing their name tag and someone notices me. And, and I, and I didn't know that all these people had been reading these answers that I had, but suddenly I was a celebrity on this awesome. little tram and That's all these awesome. students are, you know, I mean, they just, they wanted to go out to dinner with me and all this other stuff. So it was kind of fun having, having that. So 2008 happens, the economy crashes and all of a sudden no one's coming. No one's coming to the clinic. No one's in no one, Orland Park. No, no, I was still getting patients. Oh, I just oh. wasn't getting them from around the country. I got you. Okay. Right. 10-4. Got it. Like, I, I mean, I even had a patient from Somalia come, right? Jeez, Which is really goodness. crazy, but you know, it was just kind of fun having all these people from yeah, around. You know, I mean, it course. really builds your ego, and you know, who doesn't need that, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <Yes>. so, <laughs> so anyway, so I decide I'm writing a book, right? I'm just that's it. I'm writing a book. I'm going to tell people why what I'm doing is a little bit different. So I write this book, and it took me about I don't know two years to write it, right? And then I edit it. Which I got a person to edit it, which was somebody local. It wasn't still wasn't great. I still didn't like it. Got another person to edit it. And then I ran into this, this guy that you and I talked about briefly. His name's Steve Cranford, and he runs a marketing agency in New York mm. on a K-State website. You know, I, like I said, I played football at K-State. So, so did I, my dad. We can, yes. we can sidetrack yes. that. But my mom and dad met at K-State. And, uh, yeah, they're, so we got Wildcat blood. There you go. Our, that's good. Yeah. That's Emo, good. man. That's, that's, our, right. that's right. That's exactly right. So, um, so anyway, so I, at this time, I had a posture app, right? And so I had made this posture app and it was basically trying to get people to sit up. And, and I said, Hey, I got this app and I wonder if you'd take a look at it. So he takes a look at this app and he's like, um, your your buddy in New York. Yeah. Okay. Got it. He says, your app is terrible. Your app's at the app is crap, right? (laughs) You know, just let it go. And matter of fact, there's still people out there that have this app and and he's right. It's, 
it's it hadn't been updated in years it it's crap you know it, it it's it's not it's not the way you should work on your posture but he says what else do you got and i said well i'm going to send you this book i go it's not very well edited right my, my fault mm-hmm. not the two people that sure. edited it for me it was my fault so he looks at it and he says this is this is revolutionary stuff he says you really should put this out so what we did is he he found me a ghostwriter Okay. So this guy started yeah. writing. This guy started writing, and he would send me chapters, and and I did not like it at all. Huh. Right. So he writes the intro, and if and if you ever read my book, the intro is completely different from the rest of the book. There's a there's a tone and a tenor in that intro, and then the rest of the book is different. So this guy writes the intro, and I'm like, I don't really like that, but you know, let's go. And he's taking it mostly from what I've written, right? So he sends me the next chapter, and I rewrite the whole thing. Next chapter, rewrite the whole thing. And what I learned, truly what I learned, is if you ever write a book, and then you do, you do content marketing, so yeah. you know this, I didn't have an outline. Huh. So when I initially wrote it, I was repeating stuff, doing three times. I would forget where I was and go back and explain things again, and then I'd have to read the whole dang thing to figure out that I'd been repeating myself, mm. right? So, so what I did was he provided this outline that, that I needed. Sure. You know, and him and I spent a month on the outline. And I was like, why are we working on the outline so long? But when the time came that he started doing the, you know, sending me this stuff, I was like, this is all following an outline. I get it. Mm -hmm. So the book comes out. So this is seven years after I started the book. Whoa. Right. So the book comes out. What year did the book come out? 2015. 15. Okay. Okay. You know, and Bill Snyder wrote a back of the book cover. Oh, come on, man. Right, right. Let's go. And uh, a guy named James Andrews, I don't know if people know James Andrews, but he's the lead physician for the NFL and a lot of Major League Baseball and Auburn. Is that like the Dr. Andrews? He's the Dr. Andrews. So he wrote me a a thing. And then uh, the producer of Lost wrote a a, uh, back of the book cover, a Lynn Lynn Lit. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really pretty cool. So we have this uh, Nashville marketing group who puts it out to all these different places, right? And so some different book awards start coming in. So I'm um, Publisher Weekly's National Book of the Week six weeks before it comes out. <laughs> so it's not even out yet. And I'm Publisher Weekly's National Book of the Week. So all this momentum build and people can't find it. And then by the time it came out, it kind of, you know, it was oh, kind, of a, no. kind of a drip rather than oh. a, the splash. Oh. But it's been great for my patients sure. because – because they kind of, kind of, it kind of empowers them to kind of see mm-hmm. where they want to go, and and that's kind of where that all started. You know, in my mind, it was going to change the world, and most people know that it takes two or three of those things. Yeah. So then, what's the book title? So it's called Uprise. Uprise. Okay. Uprise. Back okay. pain. Back pain liberation by tuning your body guitar. Okay. Which is where the body guitar came. Got from. it. Yeah. And then a lot of that was, you know, we were we were kind of going through all these different things, and I talk about the six places in the body that you have to be stable. You know, if you're, if, mm. if you're running and your, and your quad tires, you quit running. Mm-hmm. But if the muscles that stabilize your spine or stabilize your foot or stabilize your shoulder or neck, right, or glutes or any of these starts to fatigue, your body will just find another way to stabilize you because you've got to be stable. Sure. So people will go from proper and correct motion to improper motion, but they're stable, mm. right? Makes so just, sense, just yeah. as a sidebar, you know, if you sit up straight, and you say, I'm not going to move my shoulders at all. I'm not going to move my pelvis at all. I'm just going to move my low back. <laughs> That's tough. Good luck. <laughs> right. Yeah, Good as luck. I instantly improve my posture. I'm right. like, oh, I'm slouching. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's right. <laughs> Set up straight. Yeah, right. Man. So these muscles in your spine don't move you. They stabilize you. Huh. Well, what if they're not stabilizing you? You know, we got all kinds of problems with that. 
anyway, so that this is kind of where it started. There was a kind of an aha moment for me as I was back in 2006 where, you know, I was driving home and, and I'd been thinking about how the spine stabilizes itself and how there's no blood flow to the discs after the age of 35. And, and, and I, I, I was driving home and I, and it was late. I'd been working all day and it dark, you know, it was kind of winter mm. and I, and I'm getting hypnotized by the by the white streaks in the in the in the road, you know, sure, you yeah. know, in between in between the lanes, and it just struck me, you know, and it was it was kind of one of those, one of those moments where you're just like, okay, I'm not sure if I thought of this or this was a gift, you know, mm-hmm. but it was it was, we're not, our discs break down because we're not stable, mm-hmm. and if we were stable, they wouldn't break down, and uh, you know, there's this old there's a story of of divine inspiration where this there was this writer who was middle of the middle of the country writer and she said she'd feel ideas coming on like a like a like a storm and she would be in her garden away from the house and she would run to the house as fast as she could because she knew if the storm went over and passed that the idea the idea was gone yeah and anybody who's creative you know like yourself you know that Mm. if you get an idea and it's good you better write it down Absolutely. Because it's not it's not something that necessarily, you know, you, you have one idea that builds to another, builds to another a lot of times. A lot of times it's, wow, that's that's a new idea that I never thought of. And and that's kind of what this felt like, you know. And it was for me, it was kind of figuring out, you know, what's wrong with the back and what's wrong with the way our body stabilizes ourselves. Well, there's six places in the body that stabilize ourselves that cannot be you don't compensate for and you don't quit when they're when they're when they're tired. So he was like, you know, that's kind of like a guitar, mm. right? And, and you know, we, we started getting into talking about how if any part of it is off, you don't, you don't play the music you're supposed to play. You don't, you know, you don't make the life song, you know, as I'm making quotation marks yeah, here, yeah, yeah. which are show up on the radio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> life song that you're supposed to play, you can't play when you're out of tune. Mm. So, so, you know, for medical people, you know, we start saying things like that. And for us, you know, we're supposed to be like, you know, Wheeler Institute or Back Pain Consortium or, you know, these type yeah, of things. Yeah. Body guitar, everybody I know says, don't call it that. And I was like, but it's so sticky. <laughs> it's memorable. It's memorable. Absolutely. So I've, I I can't tell you many people when we first opened the clinic, and I really think I'm rambling now. I think I'm, no, no, my timeline no. is off. Come okay. on. We got all day. Okay, good. Um, so when I first opened it, I had so many people stop in. Like I had a guy stop in with his guitar. You, do you guys fix guitars here? No, we do not. <laughs> I yeah, can try. Yeah, a guitar. <laughs> I, can, I, can t- I can tune it because I, you know, I got a guitar in my, in my office, and uh, I can do it, but I can't fix anything, you know. Um, but it is just kind of one of those things where, um, I, I think that once people know the name and they understand it, it fits, Sure, you know, and then, and then we're, we're we have plans of going off in all kinds of different directions mm. as far as sleep mm. and, and, you know, cause you're just supposed to get people better. Yeah. That's our job. My yeah. job is to get people better. Mm. And, and I'm pretty sure I've gone way off of what we were talking about. No, it's perfect. So I'm, I'm curious of a couple of things. One is what are the six kind of stabilizing, like what are the six strings that, okay. Cause I'm, I'm selfishly kind of ask, asking for, a no, friend. no, no, it's good. My own okay. So, so, I'll, so I will start with the foot. Okay. And because the foot, the small muscles of the foot are the thing that creates the arch in your foot, okay. right? It keeps tone. So you don't have to think about the arch in your foot. There's a tone in your foot. That's always there. Okay. As your foot starts getting weak, you start losing that arch. And one of the things that happens is that as you walk, you dissipate energy by the arch collapsing. 
Okay, so, oh. so that your knee doesn't have to do it, your hip doesn't have to do it, things like that, right? So the arch collapses, you dissipate energy, the arch comes back, you take off. That's, it's, it's much more complicated than that, but, but just as an example, okay? So when the arch starts getting weak, you know, the foot starts to collapse. Okay. And let's say you'd been wearing a boot and you lost the strength, the strength in your foot and the other foot is fine. And you say, you know what? I know that by walking barefoot, I keep that other foot strong. So I'm going to walk barefoot a lot and I'll get this foot strong. And as you do, you start turning the foot out. The whole leg starts to hurt. You start limping. And what you basically figure out is, is that while keeping the other foot strong, you can walk barefoot. You can't get it strong by walking barefoot. Your body will compensate. Mm. So, so what you have to do is you have to actually do isolated strengthening of the foot. Okay. And it takes a long time. Sure. So there's, sure. there's two different types of, there's, there's several different types of muscles in your body, but there's red muscles and white muscles. White muscles are the ones that you break them down and they build back bigger. And as they build back bigger, they've, they've got storage units of energy in that muscle that then you can use in a powerful ballistic fashion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Red muscles are the ones that as you get them stronger, they don't get any bigger, they get redder. And what they do is it's this constant trickle of energy from the blood that that muscle can work all day long, mm. right? Most of the muscles in your body, you can, you can decide whether you want to be endurance muscles or big muscles, right? Some muscles you can't choose. They're, they're going to be endurance muscles no matter what you do. Mm. A foot is one of them, okay? And all of these six muscles, they can only be endurance muscles. Interesting. Okay? Mm. So the next one is, is the soleus. So the soleus stabilizes your ankle. It also keeps your knee from, from uh, shifting forward. And we're actually, we're actually doing a research project right now. I'm working, um, we, haven't, we haven't started yet, so I shouldn't say sh we are doing it, but we're starting this fall with University of Central Missouri and UMKC where within two days of an ACL injury, we're going to start trying to make sure that people don't lose their, their soleus because an ACL keeps the knee from shifting forward. Most people will tear their ACL and their knee will shift yes. forward, right? Yeah. So a soleus does the same thing as the ACL. But if you don't use it for three or four weeks, it's a red muscle. You will lose strength in that muscle and then you'll compensate. And you can oftentimes see people who've had an ACL injury and you'll look, you'll watch them walk and you'll see the side that they had their ACL injury on and that calf is smaller. And this is six, seven, 20 years later because wow. they've never, because they've been compensating for 20 years. So the soleus is another one. It stabilizes the, the ankle. Soleus is in the ankle? It's, no, it's actually in the calf. In the calf. So there's okay. two muscles in the calf. There's gastrix nemus, which is the one that you, have you to build dump up. things way That's down okay. here, man. That's okay. So <laughs> gastrix nemus is the one, and, the, and there'll be a test on that word later. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you have to spell it and everything, right? right? So gastric nemus is the big one that you see. Okay. Right? And soleus is a much smaller one, but it stabilizes the ankle and it stabilizes the knee. Okay? Yep. So next is there's, there's muscles of the, of the glute called uh, external rotators. Okay? So... The big muscle is the, the big glute muscle, right? And there's a, there's a guy here in Kansas City, and I won't say his name because he didn't tell me, but he broke the world record in, in raw deadlift, okay? Which is no straps, no belts, no nothing. And I saw him like right after he broke it. So this isn't years later. It's raw deadlift. Uh, breaks the world record, comes back, and he says, you know, I'm really having trouble with this left leg. He's I've been a professional deadlifter for 20 years, 19 years. And this left leg, whenever I go down to pick up the bar, I have to rotate it out Ugh. or else, you know, I don't feel stable. If he keeps it, if he keeps his both his knees where they should be, that left leg will dip in. Mm. 
Mm. Okay, which is a lot of people do. You'll see that with mm. you'll see that with like uh, uh, people that play, uh, especially girls that play basketball. They'll come down with a rebound and their knee will dip in, or mm. they go to jump and both knees go together right before they jump. You know, it's an external rotator glute weakness. So here's this guy with one of the strongest butts in the history of mankind, and the little muscles that hold his hip stable Jeez. are weak. Right. So it's a it's a again it's a it's a white it's a red muscle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, none of the glutes are, are red, or excuse me, are white muscles. I mean, even even Incredible Hulk didn't bust out of his shorts when he. Now, some of that was modesty, but right. but but the point is still <laughs> the point still holds, right? Okay, so so there, so then the next is there's three three or four muscles around the spine that hold it steady, like we talked about. Okay. Okay. Next is is at the base of the shoulder blade. What I mean is the the inferior, or the lower part of the shoulder blade, is a muscle that holds that shoulder blade stable. Mm. Okay. And when you raise your arm, the first 45 degrees of motion is all arm. And then from that point up to about 110 degrees, when you go out sideways, mm -hmm. is both the shoulder blade and the arm. And then after 110, somewhere in there, 115, it's just arm again, right? So um, that muscle is supposed to hold the scapula stable or the shoulder blade stable. If it doesn't, your shoulder blade skits off, right? And then right under the shoulder blade, you'll get a, 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 a fluid-filled sac called a bursa that gets irritated. Yep. And then you got a muscle that runs from the shoulder blade up to the neck called the rhomboid minor that gets really sore because you're using it all the time. Mm. And pec minor will get sore. And then people will get numbness down to their pinky because their pec minor is sore. And then the, the muscle in the neck will start trying to stabilize. And then that causes numbness to your thumb. And none of this is disc bulge. This is all muscle tightness. Mm. And it's all because you're compensating because one muscle mm. is not stabilizing the way it should, right? So then front of the neck, is that six foot, soleus, glute, muscles around the spine, base of the shoulder blade, front of the neck. Okay, yeah. so yeah. front of the neck is supposed to hold you, right? What people do is when they start bending their head forward, like I am with this microphone, yeah. right? You can pull it towards <laughs> you. <laughs> there we go. You need to increase your posture. There you go, a better <laughs> posture. Um, so, so when they start getting pain in the neck, the, back, the muscles in the back of the neck get tight. They start leaning forward. The front muscles in the front of the neck get weak. It's a perpetual problem from that point on huh. because the neck is hurting. You should stretch that muscle back there, but the neck is hurting. So then the muscle in the front gets weak, right? And usually by then you pop. So if Everything the neck's rolls, coming forward, yeah. the shoulder's coming forward, now the lower portion of your the lower portion of your uh, tra uh, uh, shoulder blade is not being stabilized. Yes. Some of the muscles around the spine aren't doing what they're supposed to. Uh, the glute starts getting weak because of the positions you take because we start tucking our bum under, right? Yeah. So it's just thing after thing. So we'll see this, you know, where you'll hear somebody say, I sprained my ankle when I was a kid, and, and you can take that all the way up from you got weak in your foot or in your ankle, then that led to this, and that led to this, and that led to this. Well, we can, we can do it the other way. You got, a, you got a sore neck, and that led to so many different things. And now we're really starting to figure out how, how you breathe, how you breath hold when you do things actually affects your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, which then affects the way that you move and stabilize yourself and your posture. And so, I mean, it's all tied together. Sure. And then now recently we've started talking about your, your gut biome and how you sleep and, you know, uh, food that you're allergic to and can that cause, you know, a leaky bowel and just so many different parts of mm. the body where if you start trying to get all these things right, you can really affect how mm. somebody lives. And that's, mm. you know, that's, that's becoming more of my passion. And, and some mm. of that's because mm. I've worked like crazy getting people out of pain 
and then through the therapy that I want to get them to, and then some people still struggle. I mean, with what sure. I've treated with them, they're good, but they're still having problems. Yeah. So, so what we're trying to push towards is more and more of this, how do we fix everything? So what's the answer <laughs> okay, before yeah. you, I, I want to go there, but I do want to ask, um, maybe a practical question. You mentioned the front <laughs> neck muscle. It, it's gotta be a thing with the, with the addiction of the f- cell phone. Yeah. That, that, cause everybody, I mean, no, yeah. we don't go like into public places anymore, at least for the time being, but whether we're on a couch or sitting in a meeting or walking through a coffee shop, right. everybody's heads are down. Is right. that a thing? Is that becoming yeah. like an actual, like. So, you know, medical they, condition. Yeah. You know, they used to call it a scholar's stoop because people would be reading books and they'd stoop over. So it's always been there. It's just people didn't read as much as we do now. Right. They call it tech neck now, tech neck, okay. right, which yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, yeah. you'll hear different people call it different things, but I really like tech neck. That's good. Um, but it is, it's, you know, the back of your neck gets sore. So, so imagine if back and neck gets sore, which causes the muscles to tighten, which eventually irritates the facets, which is the joints in the neck which then causes the muscle to get weak in front. And you've already got people with bad posture. So yeah, I mean, every Jeez. one of those things leads to another. And, and we just need to be a little more mindful of what, what we're hoping to accomplish. On one of my latest blogs, you know, I started talking about the posture that we're, we're hoping this 12-part posture, uh, well, that really popped in the microphone. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, that we're hoping to you know, put on our website. But the first thing I showed was this picture of Clark Kent and Superman. And the, there was two things that were different from the pictures. One is he had glasses on in one, and then the other one he didn't. And then in the one with the glasses, he had terrible posture. And the one in, with, without, he had great posture. Mm. And I said, is it the glasses or is it the posture? Mm. You know what I mean? And it's just kind of one of those things. Yeah. But what we talk about all the time is, you know, we'll try to get people to sit up. And I'll sit up as I say this, right? So we try to get people to sit up. Um, but then they'll breath hold. And it's like, it's like what I tell people, it's like, if I get you to sit up with good posture all the time, and that's the only thing I say, three months later, you'll feel like you've been holding in a fart for three months, <laughs> right? right? So we say, sit up straight, but then relax. You know, why is your butt cheeks yeah. so tight? Why is your, you know, why are you, why are you breath holding? Why are you breath holding? Right? So, so why really, do we do that? Well, it's just because when we sit up, we, we, I mean, it's almost like there's a pressure to sit up. I mean, you know, we feel like we need to stabilize ourselves. Think about the foot again. When my foot is strong, I don't think about mm. keeping it arched. Sure. Matter of fact, if I start if I start strengthening my foot, so I go and I and I and I tell people, I say, okay, you need to dome your foot. You need to create a dome in your foot and hold it for thirty seconds. And you start doing that, you know, five six times a day for three months. You'll start getting some tone back. Takes six months to get endurance, but but you'll start getting some tone back. And you say, okay, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold it tight all the time. And and about you know fifteen twenty minutes in. You'll say, not only is my whole foot hurt, my whole leg hurts. Well, it's mm. the same thing with posture. Mm. Yes, I want you in good posture, but I don't. But I don't want you so Rigid. that your whole yeah. chest is up, and I don't want you clenching because if I do that, everything's gonna. Your back's gonna hurt yeah. from sitting up, and yeah. some of that is is just the the way that. I mean, you need to, you need to trust that you were you were made in a way that is stable, mm. and you start getting into the right <laughs> positions, and you practice that position, and you continue to work on that. And maybe find areas that are weak and take those weak areas and make them stronger. That tone that holds you in a, in a stable position will redevelop and you won't have to think about posture again. But there is some, you know, people will, people will get their shoulders up. And, you know, uh, Shelly Lewis, a physical therapist that I work with, talks about the bell, right? So you imagine a che- your whole chest, your whole 
ribs and everything like mm. a bell and people will sit up so straight that the bell is kind of facing forward you know like with a little tilt yeah and and that's wrong you're actually supposed to have that bell straight up and down a normal arch in your back right mm. and not and not hold yourself tight well sometimes that takes stretching of the of the front of the shoulder and it takes some stretching of the back of the neck and it takes some getting that pelvis back into mm. a better spot but mm. all of that's important stuff yeah, it's also interesting, I mean, isn't it? It's super interesting, but I'm curious to know, you know, that that's not what you would typically hear from a quote unquote back doctor, right? Right. And, and and this holistic, maybe kind of even integrated approach that you're taking is, it's fascinating because I'm sitting here like, okay, so what's the answer? Like, right. what do we do? Okay, like, so what are the practices? How do we get? How right. do we fix it? Okay, so think about this. So so let's say uh, you're ten, and I and I run you through an agility ladder, and you look as uncoordinated as every other ten year old. Right, because ten year olds aren't that, aren't, aren't that coordinated. Yeah. I mean, maybe some are. LeBron James was probably incredibly coordinated. <laughs> That's right. Um, so anyway, so uh, so between ten and twenty, you get more stable, and with that, you get more coordinated. People say, "Oh, you get stronger." Well, I can point out some strong ten year olds that aren't coordinated. Mm-hmm. Right. So so you get more stable, and with that, you get more coordinated. So you're twenty. You're really stable. You're really coordinated, and then you start sitting more. You get an injury, you have a baby, right? And you start losing that stability. And what should happen is you should get uncoordinated because you're not as stable as you were. That coordination should should go away. But we have learned patterns of motion that, mm. you know, like I assume you played some basketball, mm. right? Not well, not as well as you probably. Well, did. Yes, you know, I played a little basketball. Okay. Yeah. So in yeah. your basketball years, you learned how to do a layup. Right. Make sure that the the right arm and the right leg come up at the same time. You know, it took you thousands of reps to get to the point where you could do a layup pretty well. And then you spend 20 years not doing layups. But if I gave you a basketball by the sixth or seventh, that learned motion pattern would come back and you'd do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even though you're not stable enough probably to do it. So what the body, basically what develops is this gap between how stable you are and how coordinated you are. And our body has to fill that gap with something. So it fills it with muscle tightness, joint capsule tightness, fascia tightness, and eventually, if it goes on long enough, arthritis. Mm. As the body tries like crazy to stabilize to you yeah. because yeah. you're doing motion that you're not stable enough to do. Huh. So then, as that happens, you start compensating. You start developing new patterns of motion for muscle tightness, joint cap, you know, these different things, yeah. and breath holding. With that... This new pattern of motion, if somebody were to come in and treat your back, right, or neck or whatever it is, and then say, go back to your normal activities, you've got a, a new pattern of motion that if continued is going to cause more pain. That, your pain will come back. So, so what we're forced to do is say, here's how we're going to treat you, and here's how we're going to get not only the, the muscles that stabilize you strong again, but fix that pattern of motion and sometimes even the pattern of breathing. When do you, when do you breath hold? When do you, you know, how do you, how do you breathe? Are you breathing, you know, much more in your, in your chest or are you breathing more in your stomach? I mean, how do we get those things fixed? So there's a, there's a ton to it. So are you, uh, I'm just curious because, because I've personally over the last probably year have done, um, not, not perfectly by any means, but an increasing practice of mindfulness meditation and some deep breathing. And it's so crazy because it, it sounds so elementary and juvenile that I'm shaming myself right here, but it's like, man, up until a year ago, like I legitimately never paid attention to my breath. Right. I didn't even like, 
took it for granted, all those things. And now when they, whatever, if the anxiety floods in or whatever, it's like five or six deep breaths. And I'm like, hey, yeah, it came and it went. It's okay. Right. Right? Well, it's not only that, but you know, if you ever have that feeling like you go down to put on a shoe, you're standing up, you put on a shoe and you feel like everything's tight. You almost need to sit down or lean into the wall. If you instead take a deep breath, let everything relax and then try to put on the shoe, you're not locked up. Right. It's crazy. You know, and, and at church, I'll kneel at church and I'll feel like I need to put my butt down on the pew and then I'll take a deep breath and relax. And all of a sudden I, I kneel just fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's some, it's some crazy stuff, you know? So, so I've done CrossFit for a long time, but I don't do it at the gym anymore because I'm, I'm so, you know, I'm 51. I'm very competitive. Right. So I go to the gym and like, let's say we have three rounds where it's me and the 20 year olds doing these three rounds of CrossFit things. And I'll win the first one. <laughs> Even if I'm going to die, I'll, I'll win the first one. And then all of us will be laying on the ground, just completely exhausted. And then about um, 30 seconds later, the 20-year-olds jump up and they're ready to go. And I'm like, not, not ready. No, yep, time right? out. So I started doing it at home. But what I do is I keep track of my times. So since 2013, so now seven years, I keep track of my times. So Shelly started teaching us this breathing stuff for diaphragm and trying to get the posture right. And so that was last year, March. I turned 50. In that next month, with Breathing Better, broke every one of my records at age fit. So every single record no way. for seven years previously are all broken within that one month after I learned to breathe better. And you start going, you know, what are we doing? You know, and every little thing, we're holding our breaths to do. And we don't have to. Yeah. And there are some things we have to hold. I mean, there's some ways you have to stabilize yourself as you go to pick up something heavy. But we don't need to do it when we're driving down the street. And you will find yourself, when you do, and if you sit up straight and then you try to let your butt cheeks relax, still hold the fart in, but you know, <laughs> right? Let your butt cheeks relax. You'll find that you're holding your breath. Yeah. You're holding your breath all the dang time. Yeah. yeah. So it is kind of one of those things where we kind of set ourselves up. Well, and I've even noticed like as, as basic as like a sit up and I'm just clenched the whole time I'm doing like, and again, I'm not like hero here, but like doing 15 or 20 crunches and I'm holding my breath the whole time. I'm like, that sucked. Right. That was work. That was bad. Right. And let, let me try to breathe through those exercises as they go. That's right. You know, it's just, I will tell you, you know, and this is just as only because it's, it's, it's a knee jerk. I have to say this, you know, so the muscles that we use to stabilize our spine are different around the abdomen, right? The core is different than sit-ups. Matter of fact, the very muscle, the one of the main muscles that we want to, to use gets inhibited by sit-ups. Mm. Not that you shouldn't mm. do sit-ups. It's just that when you start, you should really do a plank or something equivalent mm. and breathe through it, right? Yep. Don't hold your breath and do a plank. Yep. More than 30 seconds for a plank really is counterproductive. Really? Yeah, because huh. really what happens is you start resting on your ligaments. You know, I mean, I don't know if you if you remember seeing Marion Jones run the 100 and you see her stomach muscles as she's running. Most sprinters will tell you they can't keep up top speed for more than 30 seconds because those particular muscles won't contract huh. for more than 30 seconds. Huh. So they will work their race around like, like 200 meter runners will take off fast, glide for a little bit and then sprint again mm. because they, they, they try to, they know that they can only maintain top speed for a certain amount of time. So they break it up, you know, 400 meter runners will do the same thing. They'll glide all along the back stretch. They try to run the last hundred, 200 to try to run the last hundred now, now that are la yeah, last hundred. So, you know, that's Olympic huh. sprinters. Huh. Yeah. So if Olympic sprinters are doing that, you'd think that they could work themselves up to an entire 200-meter sprint, but that's, that's not really the way it works. So here you are trying mm. to do a plank for five minutes. 
you're doing it right for 30 seconds. Perfect for 30 seconds. You're going to be, you're going to be cheating like crazy for the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. But you do that and now you've activated the muscle. You've primed the pump on that muscle. Mm -hmm. Then you can do sit-ups. I mean, I think, I think sit-ups help keep our, mm. the bell. Remember when we were talking about the yeah. bell with yeah. the chest? I think that helps keep our bell in a better position. I think it increases tone around us, but it doesn't, but it doesn't stabilize our spine. Mm. So what, that's a great segue. What are some good layman type dummy ideas like, like me that, that would, would be helpful stabilizing exercises sure, to sure. do at home or at a gym. If we ever get to go back to those. Except. Right. 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 So, you know, I, I think planks are, are great. Mm. I will tell you that when I started doing planks with physical therapy, they were pointing out how much I was using my hamstring and, how the arch in my back wasn't right. So they fixed some things. Mm. So, uh, but, you know, 30-second planks, I think, are great. Um, Clamshells, you know, where you lay on your side and you open the leg up and, you know, mm. that really gets the external rotators of the glute, mm. right? I think back extensions are good. So, you know, I went through this whole thing. And, and, and there's also another glute one called a, a double-leg bridge, which to this day I still can't do correctly according to physical therapy. You know, and I'm a pretty strong guy and I yeah. still can't do it right. Um, but... Um, when I started, uh, really, I, I finished with physical therapy. I, I didn't do it as religiously as I should have. I mean, they're in my office, which makes it too convenient. Sure. I didn't, I didn't schedule sure. appointments. I just go over there and, and if I'd scheduled appointments, I probably would have done it, you know, much better. But so anyway, so I got to the point where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd do a 30 second plank. I'd do a 30 second double leg bridge. All of these are on YouTube, okay. right? Yeah. I'd do a 30-second, what, it's a half of a Superman where I didn't pick my feet. Superman, you pick the arms and the yeah. feet up. Yeah. And the only thing resting on the, on the ground is your... I definitely hold my breath on right. that one. Yeah, the <laughs> only, like, only thing on the ground sucks. is your belt buckle, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need a bigger belt buckle. Um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, um, I do it with just raising my chest and my arms, right? So it's kind of a half a Superman, but I'm trying to get those I'm trying to get those back extenders okay. stronger. Yeah. And then I do 30 I do a minute of a balance exercise. Um, and you know the crazy thing is I put this in my blog way back. I mean we used to have mm. Google Plus, right? And I was the number one posture blog. I had the number one posture blog worldwide. Whoa. Right? Yeah. And then and then it went under. And I will tell you that if you go back and look, all the things that I put in there, I would disagree with now. Really? <laughs> yeah, because we've completely changed. changed. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, we've yeah. completely yeah. changed. Oh, no, of course. Um, so I put this in there. I say, these are the three things that I do. And then about a month later, out came this video of, of LeBron James doing a plank, a type of a glute exercise, a back extension, and then a balance exercise. All of them exactly as I said. Awesome. And I went and looked, and there was an executive from the Cleveland Cavaliers who actually followed my blog. I can't say that that's what happened, but it sure felt like it. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. That's awesome. How, what impact does... Um, LeBron, if you're listening, you know, you can, you can come and tell me. Oh, LeBron definitely listens to this. No, there's no doubt. Um, what, so he's, he's got no season going on right now anyway. That's right. So what else would he what do? What else is he doing? What impact does diet have in all of this? So, you know, that's an interesting question. I'm going to tie... Before we start with that, I'm going to tie it into uh, COVID. Right? Yes. COVID-19. Please do. Okay. So, uh, 1917... Um, they have overrun hospitals. Okay. Okay. So what they started doing in some places was they would take the nurses, they, they put people outside, two people in a tent and one nurse per tent. I think that's how it went. You know, I, I don't know anybody's still alive, but this is the story I was told. <laughs> so they put them and so they put them in these tents and it would start getting hot and the nurses would move some people outside. And what they started noticing was that some of the people that they moved outside got better. So they started moving more and more people out. And what they found was, is if they're in the shade, they weren't as good as if they were in the sun. Mm. So what they started saying was, it's possible that the sun sterilizes us, 
right? Which, fine. I mean, you know, maybe the sun, sun sterilizes the, the virus. Maybe it doesn't. But all we know is, is that it came back in the fall. And every time it does, right? So you start saying, okay, so was it the sun sterilizing the virus or the sun improving the host? Okay. So recently they've started, you know, because sun will, it will help not only with certain hormones, but definitely vitamin D, which sure. is a hormone, sure. right? So recently they've done more studies on vitamin D. We see more and more of a, of a, of a relationship between health and vitamin D. Mm. They, uh, two weekends ago they did a study, or the study came out from the Philippines and from Indonesia where they were giving not only the normal dose of different things, but they were giving people super doses of vitamin D, and they were seeing extraordinary improvement, mm. right? Mm. More than you would think. Right, I shouldn't say extra, maybe extraordinary is too 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 big of a word, but more improvement than you would think. Huh. Right, so what you start saying to yourself is you start saying, okay, what does vitamin D have to do with us? One hundred percent of the people under the age of seventy five who've died from COVID nineteen have had have had low vitamin D levels. Wait, say that again. One hundred percent of the people now it could have changed under seventy five under under seventy five who've died from COVID nineteen have had, had low, low vitamin D levels. Whoa. And one you of the don't see that on CNN's right. paranoia. There you go. Sorry. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. So one of the things you'll see is, you know, they came out. I remember one of the press conference where they were saying, we don't understand why the African-American communities hurt, hit, hit so much harder, right? It isn't social economic because it's, beyond, it's, it's within all socioeconomic groups that black communities hit harder. Mm. So I sent this, this story out to the guys that I used to play football with at K-State. And I said, I don't care who you are, black or white, right? Because black skin doesn't absorb vitamin D as well. So I don't care who you are, black or white, wow. you should be taking more vitamin D. And, you know, all my, all my buddies that I played football with at black were like, that's awesome. Thank you for telling me that. Wow. Because I may not go on vitamin D, but my kids are, right? So if you start saying, listen, we don't understand why the black community is more affected. They don't absorb, pigmented skin doesn't absorb vitamin D as well, Right. We do know that people were helped when the, in the 1970s with vitamin D, 1917 with vitamin D. We know that it has an effect, and we know that in Indonesia, right? So this starts all piecing Jeez. together, and I could end up being wrong. Yeah. But I'm going into this fall with an, ac an accurate level or a, an adequate level of vitamin D. Sure. Okay. So about diet. Buy vitamin D. Yeah, buy vitamin D. <laughs> so about diet. I'm sure... You know, people take a, take a blood pressure pill, you know, it's really small and they take that blood pressure pill and it affects their blood pressure or whatever it is, whatever pill they take. I'm sure that the bag of potato chips has nothing to do with their health. I mean, that has no effect on anything. And actually, um, obviously tongue in cheek, right? There's, I, there was a study that came out. I love potato chips. There you go. Oh, potato <laughs> chips and bacon, right? Um, uh, there was a study that came out in December where they were talking about insulin spikes, insulin spikes causing arthritis and what they started showing was is that you get an insulin spike and you get an increased inflammation everywhere in your body mm. including your joints okay mm. so i have this guy that who calls me every so once in a while from um, boston he works at mass general and he uh, likes my opinion so and, and he told me recently he said there's nobody like you in boston i said well i'm not moving there right? <laughs> good luck yeah um, but anyway, so he said that at Mass General, they started doing some studies with people who were supposed to get knee replacement surgery, but the pandemic comes, they can't have it. So they put them on anti-inflammatory diets and they were actually seeing some significant improvement. Mm. So insulin spikes, I'm, I'm currently wearing a, a glucose monitor, a mm. continuous glucose monitor. I do not have diabetes. I want to know what happens when I eat, do I get insulin spikes? And it turns out my pancreas works out, works pretty good. Wow. But 
am I healthy? Well, I'm pretty healthy. I mean, I'm 6'2", 195 pounds. I think I have too much uh, visceral fat. I think there's too much fat around my bowels. You know, I don't know that, but I can see it in the mirror. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that that leads to it. And then there's been some studies talking about that. So insulin spikes, vitamin D, visceral fat, uh, the anti-inflammatory diet in general, which is, which is low carbs, low sugar. Um, I see you, you've probably done, mm. have you heard anything about intermittent fasting? Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. intermittent fasting, there's some extraordinary things coming mm. out. Mm. You know, the, the cancer cells can't break down um, fat. They mm. take, matter of fact, they take glucose and they split it in half. It makes two pyruvate and they get, they get energy from that. The problem with cancer cells, they, they know is a mitochondria problem. Well, mitochondria is where sugar is turned into tons of energy. Cancer cells have problems with mitochondria. They can't use it. So what they've start, So what will happen is you'll see these people who have cancer and it looks like they're wasting away. It's because their body's, their cancer is yeah. using all the sugar they have and then they are, cur- they are using all their fat. Mm. So some of the things that they're talking about mm. now is they're saying, what if, we, what if we do intermittent fasting? Let's say I do a three-day fast. I am forced to use my own fat. I mean, initially I'll use whatever sugar I have mm-hmm. and then I'll use my glycogen stores in my, in my um, liver, which are usually gone by the next morning. And now I'm forced to use fat. And I think most people will get hangry about this time. You know, I mean, some of us, thankfully, I'm not one of those people. I, I shift very quickly into using my own fat, which is mm-hmm. called metabolic switching. Mm-hmm. So I will switch rapidly into using my own fat. Well, if I were to have microscopic beginnings of cancer, those cells would not survive. Wow. So people mm. will talk about a set, you know, a three or five or seven day fast. Um, next, are we allergic to things? I mean, if you if your ancestors are all Eskimos, you should eat more more fish. Mm. If your ancestors are all you know Asian, uh, Chinese, Japanese, you should eat more rice. Mm. But if you're Scandinavian and you start eating more rice, is your body absorbing that? Is your body breaking that down mm. correctly, or are you actually is that irritating something? Mm. You know, they'll talk now about uh, small bowel overgrowth and, you know, leaky bowel, and there's just so much there. Mm. Once you get beyond that, you know, I currently wear a sleep, I wear an aura sleep ring. And we've started renting that out to people for three weeks because I think after three weeks, people know how they sleep. But we're interested in those things. Mm. I mean, that's not the the basis of what I do, but it's the basis of of getting people better. Part of tuning the guitar, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first came out, you know, when I first started doing this, I thought I was going to save the world. I thought I was going to write the book and save the world, right? When I, when I left College Park, and I haven't really left College Park. I'm still there two half days a week. But I went to them and I said, listen, that didn't work. Now what I want to do is I want to monitor how people move with video, right? So I want to be able to take somebody, mm-hmm. monit- video monitor how they move, put them through physical therapy, see improvements. But I want to be able to come back and say, you know, like, how did your wife move before you had five kids? What, what motions did she do then that mm. she doesn't do now? Mm. You have no idea. Sure. Yeah. But what if we did know? You know, what if we had, mon- what if we'd done that before a person had surgery or before they had, you know, anything? Yeah. And, and you come back and you go, okay, what's my, you know, here's where I was moving when I was 35. I want to move like that again. And how do I get there? Mm. But otherwise we just go, well, you know, you're not strong here and you're not stable here. And, you know, you're moving like this. Well, what if I always moved like that? Mm. Or... Or can I take where I am now and get it better, right? So at least I wanted to use this motion sensor, and it was going to change the world. I was going to create algorithms and, and databases, and I was going to change the world. And it became really hard because there's people that are doing it. They're not doing it the way I would do it. Mm. But getting that 
program. And I, there was a company in Ontario. I actually, I actually almost bought this company in Ontario um, that makes avatar. They create an avatar of you. Perfect. And I, and I was like, listen, I want this for back pain. And they were going to make it for me. And then they were like, well, we really want you to, we've decided we're not, we're getting out of this. We want you to buy the company. I'm like, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 have, did I mention I have six kids? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm driving a 2010 uh, Ford F-150, right? <laughs> I mean, this is not, I'm not buying your company. So when I say I almost bought I almost bought it. My wife is somewhere <laughs> laughing. Um, I didn't. But, you know, I mean, the point was, is I thought I was going to change the world. So then, um, you know, Shelly... Shelly and I, the physical therapist, and having mm-hmm. these discussions about the psoas and stabilization of the spine and all this other stuff. And we'd been having this for years. And we've really been working on, 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 on deep muscles, trying to change deep muscles. And mm-hmm. she came back with this breathing thing that she'd, that she'd learned from somewhere else. And she really got into it. And she's become, in my mind, she's become one of the national experts on it. Uh, awesome. And it was hard on me because I, in my mind, deep in the recesses of my ego, it's, you know, um, Super, super ego, yeah. right? I had in my head that I was destined to fix this whole thing all by myself, mm-hmm. right? I was going to, I was going to fix back pain solely all by myself. Stupid. But you know, I mean, we have these thoughts. Sure. Absolutely. So it took me about six months to figure out, uh, she is now the expert on this and I think it's perfect. I think it fits in perfect with, it, it's like a puzzle piece fix fitting together. The harmony. Yeah. It's just so many things yeah. came together in my brain and I went, this is it. She's really figured some things out with, you know, with what she's learned. And all of a sudden I wasn't going to fix it. But it was one of those deals where I started going, what about all these other things? Mm. And I don't have to fix it. Mm. I have to do my, you know, I have to have my part. And then all these other people have their parts and together we can fix things. But I mean, that probably comes off sounding very <laughs> terrible. No, and I thought I was going to fix the whole thing. Yeah. But that's the deal is, is that, you know, I mean, we all have this, this, you know, we fall asleep at night and that's, that's what we're going to do. We're going to yeah. save the world. Yeah. And sometimes we're all just a part. Sometimes we're, we're like the person that made the TV. Nobody really made the TV. Everybody, you know, just a, an accumulation of people made the TV. Well, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Just as long as people get better. What outcomes? That's it's great. You know, I know we're, we're so, um, I'm, I'm like just getting into my like, holy crap, there's so many things I want to ask you, right? So I'm like <laughs> skittishly making my way. That's okay. Uh, so we'll do this again. But um, I, I am curious what outcomes you've started to see. Like what are some of the uh, the, the practices, the, the ways that you're um, helping folks and sure. even partnering on the breathing piece and everything else? Like what are some of the transformations or the stories that you've started to see take place in people's lives. Sure. So, you know, we've been doing this for 15 years, right? We have, we have good, good results of people getting better. Matter of fact, you know, I'm, I think I have uh, pretty good reviews from people. Mm. Um, the motion sensors really helped. And the reason is, is because you go to the gym and you start working out and you'll feel better. You look better, right? Your clothes fit better, but you start doing physical therapy exercises and you're, you really think to yourself, this is crap, right? Sucks. This doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. They're doing these exercises. Matter of fact, the weightlift, the be, uh, the deadlifter that I was telling mm-hmm. you about, he came back and he says, you know what? He says, I, I hate physical therapy. You know, that's how all professional deadlifters yeah. talk. I hate physical therapy. <laughs> he says, you know, I don't, I don't sweat. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't feel sore the next day. And I look over and there's an 80 year old lady doing the same exercises as me. And I go, I go, well, that's just, you know, that's how it goes. These are small muscles. Imagine you were doing grip exercises. You'd be doing, you know, six pounds and she'd be doing two, but you'd still be doing the same exercise. These are small mm-hmm. muscles. So people go through therapy and they don't see improvement. 
but when we have emotion evaluation before uh, and after, mm. people can do it. You know, they see it. And then they go, I get it, right? And not only that, but they have to continue. So mm. in terms of all of like how they walk, how they run, how they <laughs> right. lift, how they do any of How they stuff. do any of the things. It, and that's what we're looking for. Interesting. So, so imagine this. So, you know, a, a pitcher goes out and, and um, tears his rotator cuff. He doesn't get better by pitching. He gets better by doing rotator cuff exercises. Right. Right. So they'll do rotator cuff exercises for hours a day. But by the time they get back to pitching, they're not going to still do hours of rotator cuff exercises. They'll do 10 minutes. They'll prime the pump. Mm. Right. Um, so what you don't want is you don't want to say, yeah, I'm going to do these exercises forever. You're going to say, I'm going to get some strength. I'm going to work on my sequence, my, my learned motion patterns. And then I'm going to have something that I do every morning maybe that only takes two minutes like we were talking about mm. i my lower trap i got injured playing football my lower trap is weak if ever i quit doing the exercises it goes back to not sitting correctly so when i brush my teeth i'll brush my teeth with my left hand i'll pinch my left my right shoulder blade down and back i'll hold that for a full minute as i'm brushing my teeth and i do it twice a day i wish i could say i do it three times a day but you know <laughs> brush my teeth three times a day sorry <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> you should have a toothbrush with me right now. Yeah, right. Me too. Um, man, it's so good. That, that, real quick, back kind of side side squirrel at all chase. What position did you play at K State? I was a receiver. Okay. I was I was uh, I was a fight a fast white guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My my uh, my brother was a receiver too. He was bigger than me but slower. Okay. My older brother was a uh, tight end for Kentucky and then oh, wow. uh, for the Detroit Lions. Oh, come on. My dad was a running back and linebacker for uh, Butler University, which yeah. you know everybody knows the basketball team, and then for the Detroit uh, for excuse me for the Chicago Bears. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So there were seven there were seven kids in my family and all seven played college sports. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So my kids, so my second oldest is a tight end at K-State. Okay. Went down there as a quarterback, and okay. now he's a tight end, and he actually loves the position change. And then my daughter just uh, signed a, a, a volleyball scholarship to play at Bentley in, in uh, Boston. Oh, how about that? Yeah, which is kind of cool. That's awesome. I've, I've already set up, you know, some things to go and talk to. There's your mass general. That's right. Connection. I'm going to yeah. go talk to yeah. – yeah, go to – go. I don't know if I'll give grand rounds, but, you know, he – He's got all these plans of things that he wants me to do up there. So. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then your youngest three are still My, yeah coming through the ranks. Yep, still coming through the ranks. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's so. amazing. Um, uh, any good Bill Snyder stories? <laughs> Uh, I'm assuming you played for him. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. What years were you there? So my last, my first year was, uh, so I was at TCU my freshman okay. year. Horn and Frogs. Then, and then I transferred uh, when they went on probation, and I was with Stan Parrish for one year and then Bill Snyder. Oh, and, so you were hit, like, yeah. it's for. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and my son was his last year, right, which is kind of cool. We kind of bookend. That's awesome. So, you know, it's funny because I remember this story, and I and I went back to one of the reunions, and I was talking to the guys, and, and very few of them remembered this, but. Um, you know, when we, when he first got there, he put out in glass bowls, uh, pictures of all the logos that he wanted, different logos. Right. Okay. And the one, you know, and it, unfortunately for him, it was a see-through glass bowl. So everybody could see who, so we each had a, we each had like three votes, you know, I can't, I think that it was three votes and you'd put your vote into one of the glass bowls for the logo, for the logo. Cause he wanted us to feel like we were involved in decision. Sure. Right. Sure. Well, nobody was voting for the power cat cause it looked too much like Iowa. Huh. Right. Huh. And, and so you'd see some that were really cool looking logos that were just overflowing with votes and then, you know, almost nothing in there. I'm sure he kept coming and 
taking some and, and putting them in. But anyway, so it's a team vote, guys. That's right, team yeah. vote. Uh, so we get to the decided. end, and, and they choose that, and everybody just kind of looked at each other and went, "Okay, that's how it's going to be." Uh-huh. Right? I mean, you know, we thought yeah. he was, you know, kind of an in charge guy. <laughs> and then he gives us a chance at a vote. It didn't go the way he wants, and he gets what he wants. He, he changes to what he wants. We went, "Okay, well, at least we know." You know, yeah. I mean, at least we know. Yeah. But no, he's 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 incredible. And his his attention to detail extraordinary. Um, here he is, you know, seventy eight, seventy nine, almost eighty years old, and he's still. I'll you know I'll walk by. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? I will say though that the first time I saw him after about ten years, mm. he said, "Hey, Mike," which is my brother's name. Oh, that's awesome! And I was like, Ugh. "Oh man, <laughs> Dang. I held you in this such it's high not, esteem." Yeah, I'm not <laughs> as memorable as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> but but all the legends are true about him, right? I mean, in, in the sense of like. Work ethic yes. and discipline and uh, yes. purple and, you know, pins and the whole thing, right? The whole thing. And, you know, you weren't allowed to wear red in the, in the, in the football offices at all. Because, because of, of the Huskers? Because, because of the Huskers. Okay. He didn't want no red, I didn't, uh, no earrings, that. no long hair, right? I mean, it was straight-laced. And, you know, there was a time, and people talk about, you know, coaches now, especially like Coach Kleiman. Coach Kleiman is a player's coach mm-hmm. with discipline. And I'm just not, you know, outside of Nick Saban, I'm that that old, um, you know, tough. It doesn't seem to work. It doesn't seem to work the same. Mm-hmm. And and you know, some of that is because I don't know if any high school coaches are doing it or any grade school, you know. Yeah. So it yeah. so it's the very first time those kids have ever had that, rather than yep an extension of an how extension of how they did it in high school. Dad did it on the farm or whatever. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. Because it does work. Oh yeah. It's just, you know. It, you're dealing with 110 kids yeah. and yeah. you know, obviously it still worked because he was still doing some crazy stuff, oh. you know, even when he was going through cancer treatment and all kinds yeah. of stuff. What's your view on climbing? I love him. Yeah. I think he's great. His energy is awesome. His energy is awesome. You know, and, and I think that he, uh, I think that he gets it as far as, um, you know, how, how hard to work the kids yeah. and, and it's more culture. Mm-hmm. That's really what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. He's just looking for culture. And that culture is, he's built that exactly as Snyder did, you know, maybe twists and turns here and there, but, but you can't, there's only one way to do culture in a, in a hardworking place and that's to work hard. And, and I think that's him. Hmm. And I think, I think K-State's is in, is in good hands. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Hopefully we'll actually get to see real sports again one of these days. No doubt. Um, man, I, we're, it's like, yeah, we'll probably be 40 minutes or so. And we're here, here we are. We're at an hour. I've done it again. <laughs> um, so let's, let's wrap up. And then I'd love to, you know, uh, carry on this conversation uh, down the road if you'd be open to it. Um, so we ask every guest five quick questions. Sure. So whatever comes to mind. Okay. What's I'm the right. last, what's the last book that you've read or listened to? Uh, so I'm, Currently, well, I'll, can I can I tell you two of them? I love that. Okay, so one, so my father, um, you know, played in the NFL. He um, he developed the um, the the government card, which is the card that the entire um, military uses, right? When they mm. get paid, mm. uh, he uh, had dinner with the Reagans. He was just a he was just a low level guy with great ideas, which I hope he passed on to me and my brothers and sisters yeah. and my yeah. kids, right? Um, but he, starting in 1982, started writing a journal and wrote it almost every day. It ended up being, oh, after time, it started being um, every week. Mm. And um, he wrote long, it was long journaling, you know, it's like an entire page every time. And, uh, and it, it's ex- an it's extraordinary gift. Mm. So he wrote that for 30 years. Whoa. And I am halfway through. The other half are with my mom at Tallgrass and she can't, I can't get to him. <laughs> 
but I'm halfway through. And it's just from when I was in sixth grade on till 2005. Whoa. And, and I, I had been journaling for three years, but it's been, it was one of those things where, you know, like in three years I got through 88 pages. So he did each of the journals were 192 pages long and there's 15 of them. So it's an, it's a, it's a, it's a huge Good amount of information. And I just, and was it, did it range from everything from it was work all, to personal, well, to yep, marriage, to the whole yep. thing. And, you know, he's talking about when Reagan came in, came in and he was, you know, I mean, just Damn. when the Redskins won the Super Bowl and just so many different things that was my childhood. You know, yeah. the things that I remember, sure. we used to deliver the, we used to deliver the Washington Post when we, I grew up in Annandale, Virginia before, in high school, we moved here. So the place where I am halfway through, I'm in the middle of high school. Dang. So I'm stuck right there. I'm, I'm waiting to read the rest, but what a, what a, an oh. unbelievable gift. Come on. You know what I mean? And yeah. he just, he talks about how much he loves my mom and he just, you know, and how much he loves us kids and just, you know, it's just, you can see his personality. And I, and I think to myself as I'm reading it, Oh man, there's so many more details that I would have added, but yeah. I get his perspective yeah. from that moment in time. And it's, it was, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a little verklempt even saying this because it's just extraordinary. Sure. It's a gift. Man. Right. So the other book I've read is this book called Anti-Fragile, which, which I talk to my kids about. And, you know, um, so fragile is you break down easy. Resilient is you, um, you make it through. Mm. Well, I don't want my kids to just make it through. I want them to be opposite of fragile, mm. anti-fragile, right? And it's, it, the book is, it's hard to read, actually. Uh, it's, um, it, it's, I used to, I used to try to read some of Pope John Paul II's books. Oh my gosh, you'd have to sit down and read a sentence at a time. It was just so thick and packed. Same thing with this book. But the, okay. but the point, so you don't have to read, is... is <laughs> technic, man. Technic. I got technic. That's right. Not, is, that's right. Is, is, you know, the wind blows and a candle will go out. The wind blows and a fire will get bigger. Mm. You don't want to just be resilient. You don't want to end up with the same size of fire. You want bad things to happen and you to come out of it better. Not the same, better. So I, I use the words anti-fragile with my kids a little bit, and they, they'll probably chuckle if they hear this. Of course, oh. they probably, probably stopped listening 30 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> dad, here's dad. That's right. Um, one thing, the the journal, so we gave you a journal, which is Thank a you. gift. Thank um, you. Not, a, not nearly as meaningful as your father's. Um, but I filled my first one of those up this year, and actually it's been this daily practice of mine that – uh, because I'm typically so inconsistent with things, I have to track like things that I actually do somewhat consistently. So for 111 straight days, I've journaled to some degree. Sometimes they're half a page, sometimes they're three pages. And Brooke asked the other day, she was like, and my t handwriting is god awful. It's terrible. And, but she, she made that comment. She said, what, if you would slow down a little bit and write legibly, what a gift this would be for our kids. Yeah. And so you're, you're inspiring yeah. me to slow my handwriting. My dad's, my dad's, my dad's handwriting is great. And as you can imagine, as a physician, my handwriting is terrible, mm. but I have gone out of my way to make it legible. Yeah. I need to do the same. Yeah. So thanks for the encouragement. Yeah. Um, what would you do right now if you weren't afraid? You don't seem like a very fearful guy, anti-fragile no, guy. No, I. But well, we all have fear. I think you know the thing is, is I think as any physician, you you worry that you're going to put things out there and people are going to criticize you. Like when I put that book out, it is it is it is an evisceration of the way people are doing things as far as back pain goes. And it's interesting because there's this lady who uh, named uh, Catherine uh, Jacobson Raman. I probably said her last name wrong, but she wrote a book called Crooked 
which equally eviscerates, matter of fact, even more so. She's an huh. investigative reporter. She's not Whoa. a physician. And she eviscerated the back pain industry. And um, I was reading her book, and someone sent me a text and said, or I, through Twitter said, you should read this. And I said, I am. And then she reached out to me. Yeah. And she's like, you, you need more patience? And I'm like, no. And I, <laughs> she goes, well, I'm reading your book, right? And I said, well, that's pretty, you know, that's pretty cool. That's and cool. we've, we've yeah. actually followed each other and we, we kind of keep in communication. But what she did was she went along and tore everything apart and said, um, everything you're doing is wrong, which is, I could see how you could get there. I mean, all mm -hmm. the studies say that things don't work as far as back pain goes. Surgery doesn't work. Injections don't work. All these other things. And what I did is I went all the way along and said, these things aren't working because the whole industry screwed up in the way that it, the way that it started. Mm -hmm. Right. So I thought I was going to get tons of criticism. I think it's because, you know, most people, I mean, probably most people who are listening to this don't, didn't even know that I existed. <laughs> and, but she said, here she was, she was a New York Times bestseller. She said that she didn't get any criticism at all for the most part, mm -hmm. you know, but I want to do even more. You know I mean? I really, I want to go, I want to go out from this point and explain even more why things aren't working. And, and I think that there's tons of people out there, tons of physicians out there that would do it better if they knew how. Mm. So, so what I've thought when I've all the time, when I said, I'm going to change the world is every time I put something out, I say, this is going to change the world. and Everybody's going to start doing it better. And, and it's hard. It's hard to change an entire industry. But each time I put it out, I lay awake at night going, I'm going to get criticized. Somebody else is going to come forward and prove me wrong or, you know what I mean? Sure. They, they always talk about that how voice, the fact that, yeah. right. That, that doubt, yeah. that, that pulling you back, you know, that, what is it that you don't want to put two, two lobster, you always have to have two lobsters in the boiling pot because the one will pull the other one back down, <laughs> right? Yeah. If it's all by itself, it'll just climb out as the water starts getting hot, right. you know? I don't know if that's true or not, but <laughs> that's kind of the, kind of the uh, story that I've heard. And it makes sense to me sure. is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of all the people that, you know, criticize me. Me and too. Then, and then in the end you go, you know what? the people that matter don't mind, right? And the people that mind don't matter. Because if somebody really, if somebody really is thinking about their patients and they really desperately want their patients better and they, they know that what they're doing isn't working well. Mm. And so me coming forward and saying, look, there's better ways and there's better thoughts and there's better, you know, processes. Why wouldn't they yeah. be all over it? Yeah. I just want what's right for my patients. That's awesome. I love it. What is your favorite t-shirt? Do you have one? Like go to um, Saturday morning. So, so um, I have a Martin guitar shirt that I really like, Love and it. it's and on the inside, I forget what it says on the inside, but it's like the Martin. So if if I were to ever lift it up, first of all, you'd you'd probably a wretch, but second of <laughs> all, um, I'd lift it up and there's something printed on the inside, and it's oh really? Yeah, huh. I, I don't. I, I think it's something to do with Martin. You know, you know. Remember the the Budweiser. This is the you know our exclusive Beachwood Aging produces yeah, a yeah. beer, a drinkability, yeah. smoothness, whatever. Anyway, uh, I think it's the same thing. It's, okay, a, it's yeah. a Martin something. Yeah. I don't know why that's cool to me, but that's pretty cool. That's sweet. Well, especially <laughs> as it relates to your your practice for right. sure. Um, what's what's your favorite place on earth? With my wife and kids. Mm. Yeah, it's like nothing else. Yeah. I know that feeling, man. Amen. Um, all right, last one. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, good dad. Good husband. Yeah. That's it. You know, I mean, glory to God, yeah. right? I mean, if it's if it turns into something really cool uh, and we change the world, glory to God. Yeah. Um, every, every step along the way, I just keep saying, 
I trust, I trust, you know, because there's so many different things have happened and I, I trust. And if you trust that much, it's, I love it. It's so good. And it's a, it's a great way for me to personally end it because, um, you know, back to, to Brooke and how we encountered the, the very first time as probably all of your patients experience, they, she walked in with lots of fear and pain and like just naturally pretty kind of shaken up, right? Like nobody wants to no offense. Nobody wants to go see you. They don't want to be in pain. Right. And she was struggling with that. And, and immediately after she comes out, she's like, Oh my gosh. Like he took time. He was caring. He was gentle. And he like prayed with me, which is awesome. Right. Mm -hmm. And for us personally, we, that, that gets received well and we're we're into that. Um, but it was just this really sweet moment where, cause for me, I'm like, dude, this guy better know what he's doing right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right i'm freaked out because i have no control right and then she comes out and, and is naturally you know kind of just relieved and grateful that you yeah. would take the care and the time um to do that and when and on behalf of all of our listeners here man thanks for taking the time today yeah it's a big deal to have you in our presence and and grateful for your wisdom and and your knowledge where can people follow along uh, you you mentioned twitter so i'm just interested to hear where can so, people so hear twitter, more about does, your story? twitter doesn't work very well you know Good. for back pain people don't follow that i i you know i've been doing that for an awful long time yeah. i i paid someone much like you where i um had somebody doing my content yeah right yeah. uh and i think i went from 1200 followers to 1400 followers yeah. it, it's it people don't look money. there yeah. right people right. don't look there for that uh we're going to do more and more with the website cool um you know we have plans of doing a, yeah. a podcast like yep. you and i have discussed i love your gear so yep. you know but yeah bodyguitar.com that's that's where it starts and, love it. and hopefully that's you know we we have a facebook page body guitar okay i think it's body guitar clinic um i should know that probably yeah well we'll, the, we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes too the, so yeah yeah and then um you know and then hopefully the podcast coming soon yeah that's awesome Good. dr wheeler thank you sir Absolutely. we went way over time but this is great yeah it was awesome okay take care thank you for listening we greatly appreciate your download and taking the time to listen Please go to whatever source you normally get your podcast from and subscribe. Also, visit bodyguitar.com for show notes and to learn about our clinic. Living longer is not near as important as living better. These episodes are meant to advance the goal of living better. One of the best and hardest ways to achieve this goal is to pray for your enemies and forgive those that hurt you. Life is about relationships build them. Until next time, body guitar practitioners, performers, and tuners, get your body in tune. This is Dr. Sean Wheeler on Spine and Body Podcast, and I will see you on the next episode. This podcast is for general information purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare studies, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their health providers for any such condition.